Hello and welcome to Zad Khayal. Today I'm bringing up a very sensitive topic and close to home to many people. Being a minority in Pakistan is a very hard predicament to be in. I'm thankful to one of my closest friends and also an awesome person inside out that shares experiences as an Ahmadi Muslim. But before I get into this discussion, I wanted to shed some light on what is going on with Ahmadis in Pakistan. First of all, there is about 4 million Ahmadis living in Pakistan. They regularly get arrested, jailed, and charged for blasphemy because Ahmadis apparently are not considered Muslims and they're considered a different separate party and not a part of Islam. So, in 2020, a bill was passed where they were excluded from um a government commission which is aimed at safeguarding the rights of the country's minorities. They were also ex- they've been excluded from political making decisions when it comes to elections and electing a president and other situations like even they're not allowed to build mosques they're not allowed to build like they're not allowed to even call out the prayer azan um and they're also regularly prosecuted in terms of even not being allowed to sit at restaurants and other things and other activities as uh, equal muslims in pakistan and coming from my own personal experience as a shia minority in pakistan i can relate to that and i'm so thankful for sabia to actually come up and be brave enough to actually like share her experiences as an amadi muslim so i'll jump right into the interview Oh hi Ume. First, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's hard to be professional with you because you're my friend. Um so what's going on? How's the pandemic and I know you work in social work, so how's your life differently with social work and the pandemic? Yeah, so um I went to Rutgers, New Brunswick for my undergrad in social work and currently I'm doing my master's in social work yeah. as well at Rutgers. And so I guess this pandemic Marshall, definitely has changed yeah. me. Yeah. Before yeah. like before COVID hit, like everything um you know was like in person. I used to go to in-person classes, but now everything's online and online is just not my forte. But now yes. I'm obviously used to it, right? Yeah. But um I guess it's like it's okay. I'm I'm doing well now. Yeah. yeah and like I'm working at um at Rawa Johnson where mm-hmm. my internship is Ooh. as a social worker intern yeah and yeah. so it's pretty cool I'm working with the um in the pediatric surgery and um and trauma department and it's the best oh, I like it wow wow yeah. so like you deal with children with trauma right basically right Yes, um children who go through like trauma and then they have to get surgery I would have to, I would talk to them Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome work. I'm like I'm proud of you. Good job. It's really hard. Like all of us as kids, especially our generation, immigrants, we don't talk about trauma and it's so embedded in our like DNA and our upbringing that we don't talk about our feelings in our culture. So it's really interesting that you're doing this work and you're making it easier for the next generation, you know? Yeah. Right. And it's so important to talk about these things. Exactly. It is very important. So, I if you don't mind me asking, I also wanted to bring up your religious background and speak in depth about like because most people don't have the correct knowledge and deal with it 
with so much ignorance and hate back in Pakistan and other places. So, and there's so much racism, like with, from our own freaking people. So it bothers me a lot. And I wanted your point of view on it. Okay. So no, and I think it's an excellent point that you raised. People aren't willing to talk about anti-Muslims and that's what I am. And hence they don't know too much about it. So without going into too much detail, I think it's quite important to first educate yourself on what an anti-Muslim is. Yeah. So I'll start with that. So um, anti-Muslims believe in the Holy Prophet um, as a seal of prophets and one of the greatest prophets to exist. Yeah. So the Muslim Jamaat is an international and revival movement. And it was founded in 1889 by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian. Yeah. So Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, he claimed to be the metaphorical second coming of Hazrat Isa al-Islam. Okay. And, um, and so anti Muslims, they follow those same holy scriptures and teachings as other Muslims. So the only key difference is that Amdis believe that the promised Messiah has arrived while others still await. Yeah. And, um, and so like, so same with all the other Muslims, anti Muslims also believe in the five pillars of Islam and the six articles of faith. They follow the same holy scriptures and they accept Islam as the final and perfect religion of mankind. So, yeah. um, and obviously they believe that the Holy Prophet is or the seal of prophets, like I said. And so anti Muslims, they still follow the Holy Prophet, the Holy Quran, the Sunnahs and the Hadith. So the Sunnah is the practice of the Holy Prophet. And then the Hadith is the sayings of the Holy Prophet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty aware about this because I did my research and I've been doing my research. I didn't ever want to sound ignorant. I didn't want to sound insensitive or inconsiderate. But a lot of people don't know that. And they have these like, like no offense to any Malwis, but like they be spreading so much wild stuff because I'm from the Shia like background. Right. So mm -hmm. I've seen like a lot of Lana's like talk about something they don't know. And they do these like daily propagandas against all these other minorities and like I'm also a minority if I go back to Karachi like I'm not going to feel safe right so that's amazing that you were brave enough to come on this podcast and talk about it and talk about what you represent and what you believe in so I really respect you for that um moving thank you for having me I got the opportunity <laughs> yeah yeah of course and I, I like I want to ask a question like imagine for a second that you're not in the U.S. because obviously people here especially like like me as a Shia you as an Amadi like religion is a very sensitive topic and being in the U.S. I feel like we have that privilege of being safe right so if you were in Pakistan how would you visualize visualize it living there as an Amadi? So I was born in Lahore, Pakistan, and that is where I go whenever I go to visit. Mm -hmm. And I was actually just there two months ago, two summers ago, sorry, in, oh, two, in yeah. 2019 for a yeah. month. Yeah. And of course, on the outside, everything seems like it's rainbows and butterflies. But if you look deeper into the picture, it's not. When I was staying in Pakistan, so many little things jumped out at, at me. So there's signs in front of clothing stores, restaurants, and even grocery stores evoking access to Amthi's stating that no Qadiani is allowed. So God, oh, no. like the word Qadiani is like obviously a derogatory term for Amdi. Yeah, <clears throat> of course. So life over there is obviously very hard for Amdi's. If I was to visualize living there, I'd have to say I would have, a, it would involve a lot of sacrifice. Like I wouldn't even be able to say Islam. I wouldn't be able to call my masjid a masjid. As a woman, as an Amdi woman in Pakistan, I wouldn't be allowed to go to the masjid you know, yeah. for security reasons. 
and many of my own yeah yeah, no of course like many of my own family members they have been martyred or shaheed yeah um like the hate is only spreading farther you know yeah of course I have that too in my family because I lost my dada and my chacha and like they're also considered shahada like they consider they're considered to be part of shahada because like they were also marginalized and targeted being shia so I understand completely where you're coming I might not understand your struggles to a greater extent because my compared to Amadi shia still live a better life there but to say like that some aspects of it that I heard from you I can I can like imagine how hard it must be um, yeah, no, I feel like definitely we're both minorities in this because I feel like it's predominantly Sunnis in Pakistan anyways. Yeah, and I'm so sorry that you have to go through that again. Um, my next question, though, is that what would you tell other people to stop? Like you already said, like about the assumptions that they make, but what would you demand as a social worker at talking to like a like the Pakistani government per se, like as a, in in terms of maybe po- political. I don't want to get political, but Imran Khan and everything. What would you say to them, like if you were ever there as a social worker? So, well, first, the first things first, right? Like I would want to tell people to stop listening to others and instead do exactly. your own research and come to your own conclusions. So it's crucial for not for us for, for like us to not listen to others. And because everyone has their own biased opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's always crucial to do your own research, and yeah. um, and like I guess like in turn like for Amdis, I guess I mean for for people who want to learn about Amdis, what one can what one can do is to do their proper research on Amdis is to talk to an Amdi Muslim if they yeah. know one, or go to like alislam.org, which is a website um for, by Amdis in order um to learn about Amdis yeah and we they should also yeah yeah. sorry i'll continue oh no no no, sorry (laughs) no it's okay Uh, the next part of your question was about like so like as a social worker so as an upcoming social worker all i want to say is to be kind to one another and yes it's a basic principle but being kind goes a long way and being kind to everyone no matter the religion or background i'm Mm -hmm. telling you it will make the world a better place facts facts honestly when i first met you right like i never assumed that you belong to a certain sect because we got along so well and like we all had the same beliefs in the same culture and the same upbringing and the same like yeah we have to go pray we have to do this we have to do that we discussed so many things and i never until you told me or personally yourself i never like even for a second like thought like yeah okay I'm Shia and this person is Sunni this person is Emidy like I don't understand why they have to like like label it as just your personality you know like because you're a different person and what you believe in is so separate and it's such a sacred entity that no one should even be able to question it you know right and it's funny because like we think of it like this here because we live in the states where we have that like you know we have the voice we can talk about these things in Pakistan there's so many people that like even if they want to talk about like you know their beliefs they can't they're shut down you know by these mullahs and they're like oh no like this is right this is wrong you know yeah it's always black and white yeah yeah so it's always different yeah yeah Yeah. Um, even Pakistani government like as a social worker I always say that like like to tell the Pakistan government, like I would say to treat everyone fairly with equal rights and equal opportunities, like to let Andes run for office and take those higher positions if they choose to, 
So like Andy's in Pakistan, they're very scared. Mm-hmm. And um, like, you know, there's people like Atif Mia who are very qualified. Atif Mia is this um, professor of economics. He's, pu- um, he's a professor of F- economics, public policy and finance at Princeton University. Wow. And he was asked to be part of the advisory council, but then he had to step down because it was a threat to his life. Oh yeah. Like a- yeah. Yeah. Of I'm not course. Sure that, but like um bro like after reading the articles i just found out that in 2020 that pakistan government has ex- excluded the long persecuted Ahmadiyya community from a new government commission aimed at safeguarding the rights of countries minorities as human rights watch says so that's crazy that they don't even involve them in political the in poli- politic political things are so important in pakistan like the aspects of it and then the how you like handle things how you elect a president how you elect certain members mm-hmm. and their inclusion is so important because so many other like so many other prosecuted communities like um hindus and like christians there and even sikhs there also like um Shias there and other other sects of Islam too, and they chose to do that at, on the on behalf on behalf of Imran Khan. So that just explains it. Exactly, and I feel like it's very wrong because you're only getting the perspective of Sunnis or like the higher ups instead of getting like more perspectives like on minorities. Because obviously, Pakistan isn't just you know Sunnis. There are minorities. There's Christians. There's they're Shias, like you said. So yeah. obviously, if nobody gets their perspective, but life in Pakistan isn't going to be successful. Of course. And like you telling me that they're like excluded from these certain like daily amount of activities that they want to enjoy their life there. They want to go for a simple walk and they're still targeted on and talked about. And then um, this, it reminds me, I don't want to like disrespect this, but like, I also want to analyze, like, you know, I love history. So it, this exactly reminds me of the Holocaust situation because a lot of Jews weren't allowed to do, they were supposed to told to wear like a yellow star. And then they were told to go not to no Jews allowed in here. And like, even in America, like historically, like a lot of like African-Americans weren't allowed to do a lot of things. So this is how our government is like doing things. And it's sad. Because later on, the way the America is right now, like all like the, with the situation in George Floyd, everything that's going on, the protests, and they've been fighting for that space in their uh, in America for a safer America for Black people, like African Americans. It's like the same thing where our people are gonna act out. Our people won't listen. And inshallah, I hope it happens. There's like a revolution or something, you know. I feel like only then will something happen and something there's going to be a change i feel like once people start speaking out and start seeing that there needs to be a change there will be exactly exactly and um so yeah that's 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 amazing that um we got a chance to actually talk about this i also did some research and like you said they're not even al- you're not even allowed to call it a mosque or i also at, like was told that they're not even allowed to do azans like a, you know call to prayer they're not even allowed to do that from their mosque because they're not considered yeah. per se quote unquote not they're considered non-muslims which i don't believe in personally exactly i feel like no one has a right to call somebody a non-muslim if someone is saying that they're a Muslim, then, you know, you you say, okay. Even the prophet in his time, when someone said that they were a Muslim, he would be like, okay, yes, you are a Muslim, instead of denying the fact that, you know, that person isn't a Muslim. 
yeah so I think that's no one important. has that right no one has that right um and personally that's yeah. like a very under exactly like well, who are you are you god to tell people that this is what you do like there's so many so many um like um one of, from my previous podcast um guests they used to say like one of them said that religion is a buffet because people pick and choose right so in these situations people pick and choose and people are selectively em- empathetic to situ- situations like that and which is absurd like they're out there marching for women i'm i'm so happy about that like you know have you heard of orat march in pakistan like that's a very yes, calm I did. yeah yeah so like amazing. Yeah. it's amazing i'm 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 so proud i really wish because like i saw a lot of protests for shia for like um the sh- stuff that happened in quetta quetta and like um I feel like they should do that for Amadeus too. I feel like if these if these women and all these men are protesting and using this platform as like because it's like a whole entity now. It's like a social group now that is everybody fears mm-hmm. it like so Arat March or Women's March and like um I feel like they should make that for Amadeus too personally. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that was a long, you know, it was supposed to like it should have happened already. Like that's something like you know yeah. how like these women like they they were struggling to get like you know getting they were struggling to get out there they wanted you know um like respect you know like in Pakistan it's so hard even as a woman just as a woman it's so hard yeah. so um you know them doing this and them doing these marches um only created like you know a safer place and safer environment for them to actually open up and you know express themselves Exactly, exactly. This is what I was saying like um the analogy analogy like I I I'm sorry to say this but like like how African Americans have been like raging for years and they always say like this has to happen this should have happened in the beginning. This shouldn't be slavery in the beginning, right from the start. So I feel like that's how we feel too like as 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 you as an empathy feel like yeah our rights should have been out there and it stems from a lot of political instability back in Pakistan like when it was initially starting and presidents were coming in and one of them I fucking hate I'm sorry I sound in um I shouldn't speak up on leaders like that because I'm gonna get killed but I don't care because this is what <laughs> my podcast is for Zhao Huck this oh, yes. mm-hmm. this person also hated she is too by the way so he was like the Hitler of Pakistan <laughs> yeah he probably just wanted like Sunnis to be like on yeah. the top and But yeah, oh yeah, yeah. he reversed universal voting rights in 1985 and introduced a system of separate electorates that required non-Muslims to register as a separate category and that means also that includes Ahmadis. So that was something I read and I was like what the fuck? They're mm-hmm. not even they're not yeah. even non-Muslims. They can't even vote. <laughs> they have to call themselves non-Muslims to vote. If you just think about that that's ridiculous. It's fucking crazy. I'm so sorry that you you and your people have to go through this. I'm really sorry. I wish I, I is there like um any like GoFundMe's or anything that I can link because I'm going to post about this, right? And I want to um start like right. spreading more awareness through actions, not just like talking words. So I would want to link just you can send me the links and I can share it with the like the Instagram so people can start donating. in the cause of that because mashallah say alhamdulillah like we're in a place of privilege right we can't compare our lives to people there and i wish like we could get to them somehow and help them and make them feel like they're not alone yeah exactly okay so um i'll look for some as of right now i don't know many but um you know i'll send you some links 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to say um, the person that you mentioned again, like the, you know, uh, professor from, from professor Atif from, Mia. yeah, Atif Mia, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to link his uh, video. If he has any videos that spread awareness amongst for, for, for your, from your site, then I could like actually link it to, to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So on to a different topic. I don't, not to be sounding like, okay, I don't care. Let's move on. No, I'm not talking about that, but I, I actually want to talk about more things because you, like, I know you. So on, um, I know you do hijab. So grow like growing up, like I used to like hate anybody that wore hijab because my mind, honestly, I was so, such an ignorant fuck, excuse my language, but I was like, if it's, she's hijabi, she's going to judge me. She's going to be like so judgmental and she's going to talk shit about me. She's going to spread uh, negativity and like talk, spread rumors or judge me for who I am. So there's a lot of people that think that way, unfortunately, to this day, because I changed my well, like ever since my cousin started hijab, I was so against it, <laughs> but I was like, okay, whatever. It's her body. It's her hair. It's her devotion to Allah. This is how she shows how she, she much she loves Allah. And I didn't judge her after that. I got even more open and more understanding. So I want to know, were you forced to wear it? Like, what do you like about wearing the hijab? Okay, so you're very right. Majority of people across the globe, like they have this misconception about the hijab and Islam, right? Yeah. And like, and people think that Islam is only about like concerned about the women's modesty and the concept of hijab is only ap applicable to Muslim women. Yeah. But no, it's not. So like, Allah has commanded a Muslim woman to wear the hijab, yes, but he also ordered a Muslim man to protect his his gaze, sorry. Yeah. So, so basically, like, as for me, I started wearing the hijab when I started high school, and it was totally my choice. Yeah. So what helped me were my parents, who were very, very, very encouraging on that aspect. Yeah. So there was one thing my mother always told me, like, and even before I put the hijab on, she said, Sabiha, once you do start wearing hijab, don't take it off and it's to be respected so i'll never yeah. forget that yeah and obviously the journey hasn't been easy it truly is a jihad or a yeah. personal battle and the yeah. external factors can either give you the willpower to continue the journey or to make you feel defeated but like however like knowing that i wear the hijab for god and god alone that has kept me afloat and similarly what i noticed is that when i do things for god and with the right intention he gives me the right strength and he gives me the strength to like, you know, um, to go on yeah. that journey. Yeah. So, and then overall, like, I can't imagine taking the hijab off now. Like it's part of who I am and it's, I've been wearing it for such a long time that mm -hmm. now I like, just choose, choose to identify with it. Of course. And it's not your personality. I hate it when people like, for example, with my cousin too, like a lot of hijabis I know, um they assume like just because you wear a hijab you're gonna be super religious you're gonna be super like this person but like hijabis can have fun too you know <laughs> like they're they're yeah, very I fun people a misconception yeah that, like oh because you're a hijabi you have to act a certain way we're just all muslim we're all human at the end of the day right everyone makes yeah. mistakes everyone has those days you know but like at the end everybody of the day, has people, those days yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry yeah exactly so like what I'm saying is that like you know hijabis are humans and so we're all gonna make mistakes and stuff but it's just you know just follow the right path and you're okay 
Yeah, of course. Um, do you think it was um, 10 times harder to prove yourself? Because first of all, you're an Ahmadi Muslim and you're also wearing a hijab and then you're working in such a, like in a, in, in that, es- like your job is like meeting different kinds of people from different kinds of like, you know, race and gender and blah, blah, blah. So in America, was it 10 times harder for you to prove yourself, especially as a woman, let alone like screw like the religion part and not don't screw the religion, but like that part. And then screw everything but like looking you looking at you as a hijabi muslim woman was it 10 times hard hmm. okay so like i mentioned earlier if you wear the hijab for for god right like nothing yeah. and i mean nothing will stop from abandoning it and so as an amdi muslim we like we have a very close-knit jamaat and yeah. i'm very connected with um like all these like uh, amdi women and yeah. i feel like because I'm so connected with these spiritually awakened women who wear the hijab, it wasn't yeah. hard for me at all. In fact, yeah. I always thought that I should have worn it earlier, you know? Yeah. And I feel like company definitely does play a huge role in your life when yeah. it comes to stuff like this because you look at these people and you're like, wow, I could do that. I, sh- I should be doing that, you know? Yeah. Well, I am very extremely grateful to be surrounded by these amaz- amazing... It's so amazing um, to see, like, a bunch of like brown like you know it like woke like those women that uplift you all together in a group it's like that's some powerful shit in my opinion <laughs> like you guys can yeah. <laughs> yeah do what you can you guys can together like as women especially brown women if they stop picking on each other and stop judging each other and stopping pick me's and like just be like themselves generally like their authentic selves and push each other to do better as like and this is this goes for like brown aunties too because they are always plotting against each other not all of them but most of them right like in our community that's pretty common i mean i'm not talking about your community but like in general they see community Pakistani culture yeah yeah pakistani culture like if we work towards that goal together i feel like we would be so so successful because we would battle so many things like toxic masculinity um the embedded masculinity that is like in our dna and brains as aunties because it's like invested inherited from the men that we learn from that we surround ourselves with so like our husbands and you know whatever so i feel like if that could just be avoided and all the insecurities and all that we could do so much together don't you think Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like working together, women can get around doing so many things. Mm-hmm. But like, that's because, yeah, like in our Daisy culture, it's very hard because women are pinned against each other for whatever reason. Yeah. But if, if we work together, a lot Internalized of misogyny. That was the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, moving on to another question, because I really like the uh, work you do, like you're I always wanted to, just because this is why I started the podcast because I'm always an active remember we used to have these conversations all the time in college because we always wanted to bring that change so I like I like how you're actually enjoying something that you're doing and that's very brave of you to go on that route because most like brown girls not to stereotype but they always pick that doctor medicine pharmacy all that but like I really respect you for going off that route and also like being into something that actually fulfills you as a human being so um I wanted to know like while working obviously everything's going to be confidential for you because it's work but did you come to a realization especially in this pandemic and the political instability that's going on in America as a whole like did you think that um 
you know, did you come to a very common mere realization what's going on in America and how can it can be improved? Well, those are the tough ones. I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, I have no idea. <laughs> but because, there's, because there's just so many things that I've learned and I've realized. But, you yeah. know, in this pandemic, one thing that really, that really played like a huge part was self-care. And I think, and like, let me get to it. So like, I learned that self-care, like in the beginning, like I remember in the beginning, like my professor gave us like a 15 page paper to write about self-care and how it's important and what should be doing, you know, like, you know, things like, oh, what should you be doing? You know? And I thought to myself, how can one possibly write a 15 page paper on self-care? Like, it just didn't make sense (laughs) to me. I was like, just sleep it off, you know? Yeah. But then while researching self-care, I like, you know, I wasn't obviously aware of it. And like, and I'm aware that self-care isn't a social issue, but I do feel strongly that like in the act of self-care, like in our community, yeah, like as well as America in general, like this can be very helpful. Yeah. Just self-care in general. And like, you know, if we take the time out and practice these self-care routines and like just ways that you can relax yourself, it's like overall it'll change how you feel and um like just help everyone in general like in america and even in other places like Boston. of course that's something that i like sorry to cut you off but like i saw this tiktok and it had me realizing shit i was like thinking like how our our to american culture as a whole and including the daisy culture in it we are so like toxic in a sense where our self-care comes at a luxury to us because self-care means like getting your nails done but you should have been getting your nails done it's like a luxurious one time day thing where you take time out for like that one situation where you take go to a spa or like whatever but it could be in so many implemented in so many different ways in the daily routine of your life but it just considered like a like a because we're always constantly in a rat race in America because money is everything time is money right so yeah. we're so into that by chasing paper um I, I by the way I'm gonna send you a book you should read it who moved my cheese it was a, it's about like people not cheat like you you'll understand what I'm talking about when you read it like it's about like how mm-hmm. you're constantly like trying to chase paper but you're not taking out time to understand how different ways in which your career can motivate you and like um help you reach self-fulfillment a self-enrichment but and then leading to that they see people they like as a girl especially brown girls i don't know if you face this but like i face this and a lot of other girls like us like doing something for ourselves for example taking a day off and like not doing anything like how yeah, you feel so guilty about it right? exactly like, we should not be feeling guilty because it's something that we enjoy and yeah. it's something that we need yeah I don't think people understand that and you're considered selfish like yeah for sure (laughs) so I think we agree on that (laughs) yeah exactly like uh that's just I I don't know I'm just baffled by it but I'm so glad that you mentioned self-care because mental health is also self-care so if people around you are toxic if people your work environment is toxic or whatever you need to be able to identify that and you, you need to be able to take some steps back and like realize and analyze that hey this is why my life is in a rush this is why I have anxiety like it it's okay to take one small break right right no I completely agree especially 
in this pandemic because we're, we were home like since March like it's yeah. so hard to like obviously because everything's closed we're home all the time it's yeah. so hard to do these self-care activities and it's like oh like how are we gonna like you know because a lot of people's self-care like especially my self-care was was like traveling I love traveling and like mm-hmm. you know that cut off so I had to think of like different ways of like you know like helping myself and doing these self-care things just to relax yeah. So yeah. it's always so important of course yeah yeah thank you for um like telling me about that like it's interesting that um you mentioned that um so I have one last question for you and then I'm gonna let you go okay um any words of encourage I mean this is going back to the introduction introductory topic that we initially I want to emphasize on that like we don't want to get away from the main cause the main concern that's been happening in Pakistan so any words of encouragement to Amadis and your people and other minorities like my people and like Hindus and Christians that are suffering in this pandemic especially in Pakistan right now what would you tell them So it is a very tough time right now in Pakistan for Pakistanis and like obviously like the minorities in Pakistan because of this pandemic. So what I want to say is to not lose hope. Everything comes to an end, be it good or bad times. And while bad times may seem to last forever, they always like they always give way to good times. So I always say just pray and be kind. The good times won't last forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was really sweet. (laughs) Oh, thank you. <laughs> what I always say, like, you know, like good times, you know, like, ba- sorry, bad times won't last forever. So just, you know, pray and like hope for the best. And inshallah, everything will work. Inshallah, out. inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. Like, I hope like um, the government does something about this situation. I hope like you guys are actually find a safer community, a safer place to live in. And everybody lives equally in one place peacefully harmony har- harmony right that's all we need yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously even for Shia like you know you're such a good friend and like you know like in, when we were talking you yeah. told me so much about like you know Shia's and I was so interested you know how I am I love religion yeah, yeah love you would always stuff. bring up this topic and I'll be like girl I'm just trying to get my coffee <laughs> I remember and I loved it because yeah. I just in general I just love religion and like to know that you know like your people my people minorities in Pakistan are being persecuted on daily like it's definitely something that we need to be educated on exactly yeah Yeah. that's pretty cool that you actually were brave enough and you stepped up and was like hey like I'm gonna do this interview with you because uh, it was very hard that's the thing that it's so upsetting that I had to ask people from um that your sect like I'm not trying to say your people like I don't want to sound like a white person trying to tell you people (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to sound like that but like I mean your people's like my people's are I'm not trying to um, disassociate each other as Muslims but I'm just saying your people like in a cool way right so I'm just saying like it was hard finding someone Emily to speak up against this because in especially living in Pakistan because they were like yo we don't want to expose ourselves because I don't want to get killed and I was like whoa is that serious like oh my god yeah oh yeah no it's definitely that serious when someone and especially in Pakistan I feel like well I'll tell you a story um one of my uncles he actually got in he got arrested just for sending like an assalamu alaikum message on whatsapp because they That's knew that he was Amri and 
yeah it's it's absolutely insane it's, it was crazy because of one text he got arrested just for saying assalamualaikum it's literally a greeting in arabic but the police caught him and they were like oh no you as a muslim as an ahmadi you can't say that because you're not a muslim it was ridiculous and so obviously talking about these things as a muslim especially if you're talking about pakistan and ahmadis and how they're persecuted it would definitely be very hard to find somebody who's willing to do that in pakistan yeah i that's a very old like class um classless act that these police officers say and like a lot of other people say like ignorant shit like i was in a class like in pakistan like she is our minorities as well as emedies and sikhs right so i feel like me and one sikh person was in this class full of like 40 people right 40 kids and i was like one one and the second one was a sikh person that was not from like majority of sunni muslims and they would say some ignorant shit as obviously i forgive them because it's their kids right we were, we were all kids so it's ignorance now they're i'm pretty sure they're all open to it but they were like oh yeah tum to kafir ho cuz tum shia ho and like i'll be like um they're like tum to muslim to shia muslim thodi hote hain shia are always worshiping imam ali and i was like bitch please <laughs> like shut the fuck up like, yeah. <laughs> i feel like yeah no it definitely comes down to like how you're raised yeah. and um you know like obviously and i you can't blame kids because yeah. they hear those things from, from their parents, parents. Yeah. yeah so honestly we need to educate the older adults so the kids the boomer, turn out yeah. like their yeah. parents yeah mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that's something that i want to end this call with is that we got to start with the up top part like the uh, bottom not from the bottom but from the top part like the boomers we got to start like that's what i talked about it with uh, my other guest from like this one episode where you know she's like uh, she's from the lgbt community and she was like we should start educating our elders first because they're the ones cuz our kids our generation our kids like we would go and out there and experience these things and We're might get called out on yeah the internet is such a cool place to educate people and become may, we make a, each each other woke day by day by correcting each other but with boomers they don't have that source of education or openness or they don't even they're not even going out because of the pandemic so it'd be easier to make them start from that problem like them and start changing their minds openly I completely agree definitely yeah. especially because older adults they're more um prone to like um listening to you know other people and so and they obviously don't have like these technologies where they can go on Google and search these topics up so obviously it's word of mouth so educating them is yeah. the best way and then obviously you know then going down to like other people and other exactly all right it was so wonderful having you thank you for your time Thank, thank you. you for even talking to me about this. I'm you're very brave and obviously people back at home that are also Ahmadi Muslim are very brave people. And inshallah inshallah I hope they feel safer. I hope their rights are rights are given to them. Their rights and their their living conditions are improved. I really hope everything turns out fine inshallah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview and were enlightened and became more woke because that was my plan initially. When I started this podcast, I actually wanted to talk about things like minorities in Pakistan and express my concerns and my beliefs as well in like providing the safest and the like normal life for all of us minorities to 
feel safe in a country that was built on the basis of how in when we were in india our beliefs were being um we were constantly it's so ironic and hypocritical to me that we we fought for azadi azadi so much like for i think 60 years now but like we fought for it so much to protect our muslims and i feel like personally in my belief i consider them as muslims too and you have no right to like determine if whether a person is muslim or not because there's a lot of people that cherry pick the uh, religion and don't follow it right and you guys have no right to call someone a kafir call someone like blasphemous or whatever i feel like you should start educating your boomers start educating your elder people and also stop listening to wild clerics like they be walling bro like honestly like i would like not to sound like unprofessional but and not to sound like blasphemous either i feel like you should do your research and you should actually in, enlighten yourself with correct information and not prosecute some communities just because they believe differently and they have differences every religion has different sects so I feel like we should learn from that learn from historic like historical figures historical events such as the Holocaust or even what's going on in America is is a very is a very good example of what could happen and what are the possibilities we should be whenever and my main point is like if you know an Ahmadi if you know a Shia if you know a Hindu suffering if you know somebody that is suffering as a minority in Pakistan help them help help them financially help spread awareness help spread tolerance that's all i'm asking anyway so um that that was my main purpose for this interview and i'm so thankful for sabia again for coming on this platform and talking about her experiences and if you want to talk about your experiences with anything please d- uh, feel free to dm me at azad khayal and j on instagram or rubabness i'm signing out peace